Yo, what is going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Get The Shot podcast. This podcast is for all you aspiring creatives trying to get your shot at working in the sports creative industry. My name is Billy Quach, and I am the creative director at Let It Fly Media, as well as an NFL LCC content creator. Today, we have a very special guest on the show, Katie Cavender with the College Football Playoff. We're going to be talking to her about how she forms her social team for Championship Week, how to best network and market yourself on social media. We're going to be answering questions straight from you, the audience. So I'm super excited for this episode. Let's get this thing started. Let's run it. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast, Get the Shot. Today, we have a very special guest on the podcast and Katie Cavender with the College Football Playoff. Katie, how are you doing today? I am doing great, Billy. I'm so honored to be on Get the Shot with you. Longtime listener, subscriber, uh, first time caller. Really, really honored to to be chatting with you and, and your callers tonight. Super excited to have you on. I think you are the first guest that has said that you are a longtime listener. So I will take that. Um, Let's start off with a quick intro from you for those who are listening and do not know who you are, which they should. What (laughs) is your role with college football playoff? Or I guess just what is your role? Where do you work at? And what a quick summary of what that is. Sure. Yeah. So I um, am the assistant director of communications and branding for the college football playoff. Um, our organization basically, uh, runs the administration for all things college football playoff from the selection committee rankings to, um, helping provide support to the New York, New Year's six bowls. And then we administer and provide support for the playoff semifinals and run the national championship game that just, um, finished just 10 days ago in Indianapolis. So, um, small, but mighty full staff, our department of communications and branding are, are two full-time as well as an intern that's with us from August until April. Um, and so we handle all things sort of external relations facing from media relations and communications to, um, all of the digital and social that sort of falls under my purview, as well as my intern this year, Hallie Mers, um, public relations, press releases, all of that good stuff, anything really external facing with the CFP. And then of course, all the branding elements as well. So approvals on, if you see the gold football someplace, um, chances are that has come through our department and we've, we've signed off and blessed on, on that. Or if, if not, then it's, you're, you're seeing it in a way that hasn't been approved. Nice. That's really awesome. And I, speaking of Hallie, she actually DM'd me and said, can you ask Katie who your favorite intern is? <laughs> so I, I oh think I know gosh, what she's trying so to say. <laughs> I know she absolutely is. So th- what's really awesome about the CFP. So the way that our, because we are so short staffed, um, our interns are really treated like full-time staff members. The opportunity that they have, um, to sort of contribute to the cause is, is really tremendous. And because they're there throughout the full football season from August to April, um, they get a lot of, of growth opportunity and we've got our internship set up, um, Hallie did it this year for us. Um, Janae Hagans, who's now with the Raiders, did it uh, two years ago. We lost our internship um, for the 2020-21 season with COVID, but then Megan Bordeo was my first intern and she's with Bleacher Report now. Basically, it's set up where they um, are my right hand on all things digital and social, but then they also, as I'm sure we'll get into this evening, um, 
manage the day-to-day leadership role over the social team that's on site for us, similar to the LCC um, program that the NFL has um, to help us sort of tell the story of the national championship on all of our platforms. And so that's a really tremendous opportunity for our full-time interns to get a leadership experience um, under their belts before they go off into the real world with, with a full-time position. Speaking of the social team, I'm sure we'll get more into that later, but just a quick kind of explain to everyone what the social team means in terms of your organization. Sure. So I might even take a little bit of a step back. My roots sort of come from being a creative myself. Um, I spent before I joined the CFP, I started at the CFP in August of 2018. Um, and before that, I spent 11 years at the at the Mountain West Conference in Colorado Springs um, as the assistant commissioner of um, advanced media and digital strategy. And so it was really a one person department that we had for all things social. So I was creating all of our graphics and compiling the photography And then we had a digital network that I worked with really hand in hand with on all of our video needs in terms of streaming. We streamed over a thousand games a season. Um, We told stories and did a lot of long form um, video content when we got all of our streaming rights really back as part of conference realignment back in those days. Um, And so that's really where um, I was able to cut my teeth as it relates to being a creative and producing content. Um, And I think that's what what got me where I am now when the the phone rang with the college football playoff Um, because of the way that things are set up with the CFP and we don't host games. We're not the organizing body um, that governs college football throughout the regular season as like the NCAA playing rules would be. Um, You know, we really focus our time on those those pivotal moments with the selection committee rankings and with um, the New Year six, the semifinals and the national championship game. And so we have set up a social team type experience that's similar to maybe other areas of college athletics when folks can get professional development opportunities where you volunteer your time to sort of help administer um, that event. Uh, So we have a full group of staff that come for just for game week on a volunteer basis from a media relations perspective um, that help us, you know, execute press conferences and set up the press box and um, hand out vests in the photo workroom, all of those things to just make the national championship happen. Um, And so that sort of set a groundwork for us to develop a social team. So what we'll do is um, throughout the year, I, because I'm a geek for content, I create a, I have a running list of um, folks that are that are current students, recent recent grads, or just shining stars that are really the best at, at what they do in terms of content creation, whether it's um, videography, photography, graphic design, motion, um, vertical storytelling, all of the things, publishing too. Um, and then when we get our interns on staff. Um, in the fall, we'll sort of sit down and and map out what we want maybe the team to look like for the national championship and then assign roles um, based on, you know, it's kind of like a draft room, if you will, if you if you think about what what a professional draft experience would be. So we'll we'll have a bunch of names and we'll try to assign people to different roles and then we'll extend invitations and hope that, um, you know, those invitations will be accepted. Um it is a volunteer type experience, but I think that the um, the benefit of it has been really tremendous to help these creatives build even more portfolio opportunities for themselves. So if they're able to get themselves to the host city for the national championship 
we put everybody up in a room, we get them some apparel, um, we set up a schedule and we get them all the credential access that they need. Um, and then they really have a tremendous opportunity to network with each other, uh, with professionals like yourselves and, and some of the others out there, as well as um, our partners at, at Twitter and Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, all of those platforms as well. Um, and then these, these kids can really just build content for their portfolios that, again, we use for the CFP channels to just help bridge that gap for folks who are either following along from home or as a second screen experience for those who are able to be on site. Um, but then also it's just something that they can have to help sort of bolster their careers too. It's part of giving back sort of, you know, we work in higher education in college sports. So, um, it's just kind of an extension of that higher education experience. Nice. That's awesome to hear. And we'll definitely talk more about that program mm -hmm. after we take these questions. But um, we've got some people in the meeting room waiting to get let in. So let's just uh, jump right into those and see what people That's have cool. to ask. First up, we've got Danny Boyle. Danny, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Doing great. Um, I've got Katie here with me. She works for the college football playoffs um, under their communications and branding department. Um, welcome to the show. We answer questions from people who join the Zoom and try to help them out wherever they are in life. So first, start off with an intro of yours and just kind of say, um, you know, if you're a student right now, if you're working, just so we have some more context about you and know a little bit more about yourselves, and then you can go ahead and shoot off the first question after that. Uh, sounds good. Yeah, so um, my name is Danny Boyle. Uh, I'm currently a junior in college. I'm graduating uh, May 2023. Uh, so I just got into photography over um, – the quarantine. I was just really bored at home. So I went out, bought a kit, camera and lens. I'm still kicking with that. So I really got into photography then, and then, uh, had a couple opportunities to with sports and those were like by far like my favorite side of photography. So I'm trying to like really get into that more. Um, I know it's a little late, like getting in my last year of college next year, but, um, yeah, trying to get into that. Nice. That's awesome to hear. Um, what's your first question for us? Yeah. So my first question, so I, like I just been seen on social media recently, it seems like the video side of content creation is kind of overpowering the photography. And that's just what uh, it seems to me. Uh, so I was wondering like, if it makes sense to even try to enter the field only focusing on, on photography or if it's worth trying to dive into the video side of things like really early on. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I actually saw some people tweet about this um, last week. So definitely been thinking about this a little bit recently. Um, you know, in my opinion, as a videographer, uh, I will give the biased answer that I think video is a hair slightly more important than photography. Um, but that doesn't mean that photography is not important at all. Um, there's a lot of people out there that all they do is photography and, you know, that they don't know video, they don't know graphic design. That's all they do. They're really good at it and they get paid a lot of money to do that and they've made a career out of it. So it's not impossible to um, have a photography only career or a videography only career. Um, what I will say for you is since you're starting out and kind of new, I would just try it out. Like try videography, try graphic design, try, you know, different mediums of creativity. And you, you never know if maybe you are, you know, you have some secret hidden talent for video or photos or for photos or video. Um, you won't really know that until you try it out. So um, my advice to you at, at this stage is to just do both, like try both and you'll learn some things in photography that will help you under videography. 
And then you'll learn some things while doing videography that will help you in photography, um, no matter which path you kind of head down towards. And some people do both equally as much and as well. So um, it's all possible. It's all, you know, kind of up to you on what you prefer and what you um, find more passion in. So um, that's kind of my advice to you. Katie, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I would say, I think part of maybe the sway there and the um, priority that some organizations are putting on video more than photo is maybe just the continued dwindling of print media, um, you know, with magazines being less prevalent, with people not subscribing to newspapers as much as they should. Maybe the the industry value on that isn't being placed, but that's not to say that there's not a massive um spot for photography within the digital landscape. Um, I, I just can't be convinced otherwise. Some of the, I think, most powerful um, images that, I, that I've seen, um, particularly in sports, are ones that are single frame that really capture either emotion or the story of what happened in a game. I think that's super valuable. Just with the huge emphasis on really good graphic design, great graphic design more often than not really relies on really great photography to make that happen. And sometimes the best graphic design really is just subtle treatments to really great photography. It doesn't take a whole lot. So um, I would definitely agree with Billy that because you're you're just starting to get um, into the weeds as it relates to creating content in the sports space um, to try out some other things too. I think being um, having mixed media experience and being able to say that you can you can wear multiple hats. I think that that makes you so much more marketable when you're trying to look for positions. Um, there are lots of sports organizations still out there while, while the space is growing tremendously, there are still some that are, um, you know, there's only one man shops or two person shops. And so the ability to be able to flex different muscles and being able to shoot motion and, um, or shoot, shoot a still, and then being able to, to edit that and create a graphic out of that, I think could be really, really powerful for you. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, those are really good answers. Yeah. Do you have any other questions for us, Danny? Oh, yeah. And then, so I, it's kind of like on the same page. So like, as I'm like about to graduate and don't have like, like much experience at all in the sports side, I was wondering like any tips on like networking or like, I feel like if, like, if I apply to any job, I don't really have anything to back me up. I can throw in like a little portfolio in there, but I don't have any like real experience, like hard experience. So I was kind of um, hoping for some tips on how to maneuver around that. Yeah, I think I think what you're doing right now and in, in joining the podcast today is a great example of just make, putting yourself out there and making mm -hmm. connections, even um, if it's not face to face in person. I think I think the COVID world has taught us a lot, but one thing that it has really taught us is that it's bridged gaps for communication to do so um, electronically. So don't be afraid to, um, reach out to people who hold positions that you're interested in emulating or work at organizations that you are interested in, in trying to achieve that as a goal, ask for a virtual coffee or an informational interview. That stuff goes a long way and people really like to talk about themselves. So, um, <laughs> making those connections can really go really far and, and you'll learn as you continue to do that. Um, that the sports world, whether it's college or professional is really small, more off. It's like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, like someone will know someone who knows you and, and it'll, it'll really help, um, when you're trying to build that network up and, and look for positions there. And I think having your own 
social presence is, is part of that as well. There's huge networking opportunity in Twitter and in Instagram, um, LinkedIn, all of those things. If you can, if you can be a part of the conversation, um, and really meet some people that way, you know, drop in some DMS, ask people questions, share your work on Instagram and, and really just build a network up that way. I think that that will, that will take you really far as well. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And then to add on to that, Danny, um, it does suck that you're, you know, kind of late in the game. You're about to graduate, but mm-hmm. it's never too late in this industry, never. right? Um, even if you're about to graduate, you know, who cares? If you're starting after graduation, You, I believe anybody can get into this field at any point in time in their life. So I think um, for now, I think it's just figuring out what your strategy is going to be um, over the next six months or next year and a half or whatever. Um, for me, if I were in your shoes... Uh, what Katie just said, networking, being on social media, um, knowing who all of the, you know, top sports photographers are that you, um, you know, that influence you or that you enjoy mm-hmm. seeing their work, like following all of them, knowing their names, knowing who the big players are in the field you're trying to get into is kind of step one in getting into this industry. Because if you don't know, like, you know, other photographers, it's hard to just have that conversation maybe with um, anybody about, you know, the field you're trying to get into. So doing kind of that market research of like, okay, I want to be in the field of photography. Who are the top five sports photographers in my opinions in this field? And, you know, can I DM them to see how they got to where they were? Can I DM them to see if they have any advice for me? Can I uh, comment on their stuff and ask them questions like, the social media just makes it easy to get close to all these people at the top that you should definitely take advantage of that. Like Katie said, um, my kind of side of things, um, I would highly uh, encourage you to, you know, the only way to get experience is to go get it. So um, over the next, you know, X amount of time, like go shoot, local high school sports or a local middle school sports team. Or I tell the, I tell people this all the time. They ask me, how do I get onto the NFL field? Mm-hmm. How do I get like, you can't just show up and get onto the NFL field. Yeah, you to, your best. Yeah. You have, <laughs> you have to start somewhere. You have to have, like you said, a portfolio and the best mm-hmm. way to start a portfolio is to just literally, you can go to the park and find people playing football, shoot during golden hour. Your photo is going to look, just as good as someone shooting an NFL game during golden hour. Like the lighting's all the same. Um, the only difference is like the stadium or like the stardom of the player. But if you're shooting high school football, it's the exact same mechanics, um, same composition, same literal game that you're shooting as football. So that's how you gain that experience. So when you're, you know, given an opportunity to go shoot an actual like NFL football game, game you're ready and you're you know you're that much more prepared than if you're just sitting around waiting for that opportunity so that's my advice to you uh, on top of networking is to just go out there shoot create um the only way to get better in this uh industry is to put in reps even if you don't Mm -hmm. like your photos or you think they're bad or whatever just keep pushing keep pushing ask those top photographers that you're researching for advice on what 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 they think of your shot, how you can get better, um, and that just piles on over the next year, two years, three years, you'll see a lot of improvement after you know looking back after doing it for a while. Awesome, thank you. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Definitely need to get those wraps in. Yeah, like I said, I'm still working with that first beginner camera. So I was wondering, like, is it worth just trying to upgrade like really early and working with like a more advanced camera or kind of working on the craft and then just upgrading when like it's feasible? I would say since you already have that first beginner camera to try to maximize your output or potential with that now instead of like dropping two grand or three grand on more equipment yeah. and then like for, you know, that, that could get a little hairy in terms of financials. Mm-hmm. Like you already have the camera, it, just learn the craft as best as you can with that. Um, you know, after a couple maybe freelance projects, after you save up some money, once you understand what you're looking for, what you like, that'll make the decision of like which camera, which lenses, which brand to get once you have more research on this field in totality, then it'll be easier to upgrade down the road. But for now, since you already have that first camera, I would just stick with it and rock out with it for as long as you can. Um, I started out with a Canon T3i and it's a piece of trash compared to what I have now. But, you know, I got it. it. That allowed me to get started on it early and to get reps and to make mistakes with that camera instead of making mistakes with the current camera I have now. So that's my piece of advice to you. Um, but other than that, Danny, appreciate you hopping on. Um, good luck with uh, your path to photography or videography or whatever whatever it ends up being. Thank you. Thank you both for letting me come on. Thanks, Danny. Right. Good to talk have to you. Night. See you later. Great. That's awesome. He's, he's getting started. Um, I started kind of late as well. I started in sophomore year of college. So... Um, I get a lot of DMs from high schoolers like, hey, I'm doing videography. What advice do you have? And I'm like, well, you start, <laughs> you're already off to a better you're start than I am. Early. <clears throat> yeah, I would say the one thing I would tell Danny too, and and really anybody who's listening, and I think you'll agree with this, is that um, one of my big pieces of advice is the return of the invest. Like you only get out of things what you put into them. Return on investment is huge. And there's so many resources, maybe too many resources out there with YouTube and books and blogs and all of the social channels to really absorb and fine tune your craft um, and people willing to share that information. So if you absorb that and, and just get the reps in to apply what you're learning, the return on that investment will just pay dividends for you. So definitely definitely agree that folks are starting out super early, but it's also never too late to get started. Yep. Definitely never too late. All right. We're going to talk to our next person, next guest, uh, Steven Hintz. Hello. Steven, what's up? How's it going? Not bad. How are you guys doing? Doing great. I got Katie on the other line and we're just uh, chatting it up here. So um, let's start off with an intro from you just so people have some context of if you're a student or if you're currently working or whatever, uh, and then we can get into the questions you have. Yeah, perfect. Um, I'm Steven Hintz. I am a student right now at the University of Nebraska. Um, I work for Husker Vision, which is a depart- or part of our athletic department, as well as Huddle. And I will be interning as a videographer for the College World Series this summer. Nice. That's awesome. Congratulations. Awesome. Thank you. And what is your first question for us? Yeah. Um, so either one of you can answer this. Um, but what is something that inexperienced videographers um, do in the process of planning, shooting, or editing videos that kind of just rubs you the wrong way or, um, or I guess just something that they need to work on? Oh, that's a good question. Um, let's see. What are some things that inexperienced people do that rubs me the wrong way? 
Uh, I think one thing is a lot of people don't think about um, there's like a sense of access that a lot of younger people don't think about. They think, oh, I have a camera. I'm just going to sneak into this concert or I'm going to sneak into the game. Or, um, you know, recently I saw someone fly a drone in during the Bengals playoff game. And like that is something that it's an inexperienced videographer trying to do something they think it's okay to do, but it's absolutely not okay to do. And just there's like, or like taking a camera like into the mall and like, you know, filming and like, you can't just take a camera anywhere and film anything because there's these unwritten rules of privacy or laws or whatever um, or permission or, you know, we had a shoot in LA recently with the college football playoffs and, you know, there were a lot of like um, permission forms and just a lot of back end stuff that we had to get rights to shoot on location on set somewhere. So um, I think that's something that rubs me the wrong way because that then just makes it harder for all of the experienced people to, you know, do what they're trying to do because rules get harder, regulations get harder. Um, that's definitely the big thing for me. I mean, I'm still heated from that drone thing. I, I found that out, found out about that today because um, I did see the drone, but I didn't know if like maybe that was NFL, but I doubt it. But like seeing it today being posted on YouTube from an account that wasn't NFL related and like confirming that that was just some random person who wanted to get their drone in a stadium like that made me very mad because now the FAA is probably just going to make it, you know, eventually that much harder for us to ever drone in a normal situation. So um, that's that's the one for me, Katie. I don't know if you have anything that. Yeah, I would say sort of along a similar line um, is maybe maybe just being grateful for opportunities to shoot and the access that you're provided. Um, I think I, it rubs me the wrong way sometimes if a young creative um, is given access, but but it may not meet the expectations of the access they're being given. Um, and, and there's, there's a sense of, um, maybe entitlement there in terms of, well, I actually think I deserve to be in this position, but I wasn't in that. There's plenty of opportunity to capture content, no matter where you're located. Um, we had a creative with us at the national championship that was shooting from, um, one of the terrace levels at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. And he got the shot of Keely Ringo's um, pick six that sealed the national championship for Georgia that he wouldn't have gotten if he was in any other location. And so just having that sort of sense of creativity and being able to apply your skill set, no matter where um, in a venue you're able to, to capture the footage, I think is super valuable. But then also if you're working in a team setting, so for instance, like the College World Series, I would venture to guess there's a few of you um, working with Christian and others who will be creating content there and, and your time with Husker Vision and with Huddle, um, that really some projects turn into more team projects as opposed to individual projects. So Billy, I'm sure can speak to this as well, but just being able to put on different hats in terms of who's shooting, who's editing, how you're combining all of your shots and just making a project really sing for the sake of the project, as opposed to maybe letting pride and ego get in the way and turning it into a competition. So I think some young creatives, because they are so talented and there's so many 
um, skilled people out there sometimes try to pit themselves against each other. And sometimes that rubs me the wrong way too. I think that we're all in, in this game for all of the same reasons. And it can be really fruitful for all of us if we all are willing to work together and to collaborate and to share um, and be welcoming of each other. So um, anything to the contrary sort of is something that puts me off a little. Certainly, and that's very valuable to hear. Um, another question I had, and this can go for either of you, because I know you're both in kind of similar roles, just different um, companies, but when hiring or assembling your team for like Let It Fly or for the um, college football playoff, what kind of stands out most in a candidate that like um, sets them apart from the rest of the crowd? Yeah, I don't think it necessarily needs to be for me um, football related content. That's for sure. I think that that sometimes that helps to be able to tell the story of football because the sport's so much different than maybe if you're shooting baseball or golf or softball or whatever else that it is. But, um, I think that that's a little bit important. I think the diversity in your portfolio is also super important. Um, we had another photographer on our, uh, our social team this year that, that what stood out to us is he, he comes from a family who are cotton farmers in West Texas and the imagery that he had from the cotton fields and the combines that were was just totally striking and it had nothing to do with football whatsoever. So um, being able to, to have an art, artistic vision there, I think is really important. Um, and then, you know, just, just having, putting yourself out there and creating your personal brand, it's never too early or too late to get started and doing that on social and um, really being, making yourself available within the networks there, um, you know, getting involved in the conversations that are being had around content, um, building your network and connections that way, that also sometimes goes a long way. But if you're getting active in, in what you're doing on campus or wherever you are in your career at the time, that, that alone will set you apart and, and, and what you're doing with your your activity with, with huddle and Husker vision and, and the CWS, I think will will speak a long, long way for your portfolio and get you some even greater opportunities down the line. Yeah. And then for us at let it fly media, um, the first thing, just the obvious thing that, you know, has to stand out to me whenever we're hiring is your real or portfolio. That's the obvious answer. Like, can you do the work and do you have the talent to, um, you know, help, let it fly, make it to the next level. So after that though, it's mainly their, you know, ability to fit into the culture, their teamwork, their work ethic, their personality. Um, that's probably uh, besides the actual physical, like, can they do the job? Um, I think personality and culture fit is the biggest thing we look for. And it's probably the hardest thing because you know, we're doing a Zoom interview or we might fly them in for one night, a dinner here and a, a breakfast. Like it's hard to get a read on someone in such a short amount of time. And then you're locking yourself in with them by giving them a full time job. So it's super hard to find that. But we try to, you know, figure out ways to get them to talk to as many of us on staff as possible. We try to break the ice as early as possible to get them to try to be themselves as soon as possible, because sometimes at the start of an interview, their people are a little bit more, um, you know, safe and not themselves. Um, we and then I think the third thing we do is we try to get references and ask other people what they what they say about you is super super important. Um, we try to talk to people who have worked with them, or you know, just trying to figure out that back end detail on what it's like to work with them. More importantly than what the work they're doing is actually you know, doing. So that's the big thing for us here at Let It Fly Media. 
Yeah, Stephen, I would say, like, just to echo that point, I think fit is a big deal wherever, if you're getting involved, you know, in a volunteer opportunity all the, all the way to a full-time opportunity, I think culture and fit and making sure you vibe, I think, is is just as important as maybe some of the, the technical skills that you bring to the table. Perfect. Yeah, I love to hear that. Um, I'm going to keep this short just because I don't want you guys um, too consumed with time, but I, I also wanted to just express that I'm very grateful that you guys are doing this. Um, full disclosure, one of my goals that I set at the top of this year was to, um, earn a spot on the college football creative team. Um, I thought that putting that goal would really help me grow throughout the year, not only in my talents, but just, um, in experience and whatnot. Um, so this is really valuable for me and I'm very grateful that you guys are doing this. Um, my last question, I guess will be. Can you tell me about a time where you kind of saw a large amount of growth um, within either yourself or your creative talents and kind of what sparked that growth? Yeah, I'll start with this question. Uh, first of all, thank you for your note prior to that, um, you know, trying to help out as many people as possible, because I think Katie and I are both just grateful for being in the position we are in this crazy industry that we call sports creative. So um, thank you for that. Uh, to answer your question, I think my biggest kind of time period of growth was when I was interning at the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I had just graduated college. I thought I was a hotshot. I thought I knew it all. I thought I was ready for a full-time job. I was like, you know, why aren't they giving me a full-time job? Or why isn't anybody else giving me a full-time job? I'm ready for that. I've done, you know, my student work student uh, work at RSN and whatnot. I've done a lot of freelance. I thought I was ready, but little did I know I wasn't. Um, and I figured that real quick once I got to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, as an intern, that was probably the best year for me in terms of growing because um, that was my first time working in sports, like full, full on, full time. And that was my first time shooting football. That was my first time in that professional sports organization environment, um, which, you know, prior to that, I was at RSN in Arkansas, but that's part-time as a student. You're not doing it for 40 hours. You're just doing it for a couple hours on the weekends and whatnot. Um, so then when I got to the Chiefs is really a kind of, I guess, a wake-up call maybe, but I don't know if it was a wake-up call, but it was just kind of a, um, I knew, like, this is kind of my chance. Like, I either ball out and prove that I belong here or prove that I belong somewhere else if being here long-term doesn't work out or I don't ball out and then <laughs> it's just that much harder to get another position after the internship ends. Like having that clock in your head that this is only temporary really pushed me to, you know, learn new techniques, um, figure out all the cameras, get in early, get it, get out late. Um, you know, I always, I always ask, like, is there anything else I can do? Like, do you need help with anything? Um, you know, if somebody asked me to do something, I always said yes. I never said no. Even if I didn't know how to do it or, you know, what, what, what it took to do it, I would figure that part after I said, yes, I'm available. I'll do it. Um, so I was just all in as an intern. Um, and that really, you know, helped me elevate myself as a creative. And then that, uh, got me the full-time position with the Chiefs that following year. So um, that was kind of my uh, period of 
growth. Katie, do you have a time period similar to that? Yeah, I actually do. In my previous position at the Mountain West, um, I know I mentioned this a little bit in, in our intro, but um, so I oversaw all things digital and social media for the Mountain West. And when the sort of last big round of conference realignment happened, um, as part of that, we were able to retain our streaming and our digital video rights back. And so when I oversaw our digital and social before, it was really graphics heavy and photo heavy, but not a lot in the video space, just given the TV rights that our television rights holders had had paid lots of money for. Um, so when we got those back, I was really fortunate that I could be part of the sort of staff that that built that digital network for us from the ground up. Um, it went as far as you know hiring staff and talent to acquiring equipment to building out a full studio in the conference headquarters office um, to figuring out what sort of equipment you know we had. At the time, we had 12 full-time schools plus Hawaii and football and 18 different sports. And so figuring out what equipment that they needed to either retrofit things in their venues or, um, you know, mobile production truck type um, laptops and things of that nature. So figuring all of that out. um, And then also once we got that up and launched, um, the day-to-day maintenance of it, you know, I taught myself After Effects from scratch. We did a lot of promotional work. Um, with our partners um, at Campus Insiders and Stadium to just make sure that we were growing growing audience as much as possible because revenue was really a big driver for us through all of that. So having that experience really taught me the vernacular of a whole different side of content that I hadn't had the experience in having, having worked more in the communications and the social side of it and maybe not as much video production um, that I think that even having those skills now is something that, that has really helped um, moving forward. So I think, I think ultimately, Stephen, what we're trying to say is putting yourself out there um, and just making yourself open to opportunity and maximizing it for the, the period of time that it exists really will, will, will benefit you in, in great detail. That's great to hear it. Thank you very much. Yeah, of course. Thank you for, for the time and the interest. Oh yeah, of course. Um, and yes, yeah. Once again, just thank you very much. This is, it's it's indescribable how valuable this is to someone like me who's just kind of trying to like break into the field. Um, so I really love the stuff that I've seen Katie on that you've been kind of reposting throughout the creative team and whatnot. And then Billy, your stuff as well, the stuff that you guys do over at Let It Fly, um, really amazing stuff. And it kind of inspires me as well. So very cool. That means a lot, Stephen. Keep in touch with us for sure. Perfect. Yeah, Thank you. Awesome to hear. Uh, see you later, Stephen. Thanks for hopping on. It was exciting. And that was so nice to hear all of that. It's so great to hear um, people following along with the stuff that you're working on the last couple of weeks with between our social team and the, the cool collabs that the CFP and let it fly, did it together with you at the home. Billy is pretty awesome. What people saw on social from, you know, what we did the last weekend or whatever, however long it was ago, 10 days ago, whatever, um, really just amp amped up, you know, the next wave of creatives to, you know, want to be on a social team next year. I feel like every year it just gets more known. Like I'm sure there's a lot of creators that didn't even know about the social team who do know yeah. about it now. Um, and I feel like that's going to get bigger and bigger every year. So totally. And I think one cool part about it too, is that it has built itself so much. Um, the alumni base of the, of at least I've overseen four social teams now in my time at the CFP, you know, we've got a placement rate that is crazy. We've got 
Um, you know, people who've been on the social team who've gone on to work in the NFL, the NBA, MLS, NHL, MLB, and all of the Power Five conferences, among other other college athletics um, positions, and that's really awesome and something I'm really proud about. Um, so it's really awesome to to at least lay that that groundwork for folks. But then let's also talk about how lots has happened for Billy since since that national championship. You shot two wildcard games in two days, dude. Um, yeah, that, that was wild. Um, we'll get to that after we finish the live Q and a segment. Uh, I want to get these Sounds two people great. through and then we'll, uh, we'll get back to the craziness that, um, <laughs> we've been doing over here at let it fly. All right. Next up. Let's see if Jack is ready for us now. Hey Jack, how's Hi, it going? I'm sorry. I'm doing great. Sorry. I got a mouthful of cheese. It's so I was sitting there waiting. No, I all good. No worries. It's our official sponsor of the college football playoffs. So nice product placement. Yeah. Let's well, go. white cheddar cheese, it's groove. Go buy yourself some. They're fantastic. <laughs> well, thank that. you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Welcome Jack. Thanks for hopping on. Um, let's just start off with yeah, an of intro course. from you and just kind of tell me, tell us a little bit about yourself just so we have some more context and then we'll get into the questions from you. Awesome. So uh, my name is Jack Pollock. I'm a senior in high school. I live in a little town called Draper. Utah. Um, right now I'm at my school corner Canyon and through corner Canyon, I'm in a video position where I, I basically go to all the different events around the school and create content for all these events. Uh, it's usually a one minute video recap at the end of every week. And then we do virtual assemblies and whatever, but my passion is definitely sports videography. Uh, I got really involved with the football team this year. Uh, one of my mentors, McKay pet really helped kind of like put me on that course. Um, and I also, uh, I film basketball a lot. That's been, I feel like I've had a lot of growth in this last year. So the basketball team actually, uh, is hiring me right now and they pay me a certain amount of game because they've been so happy with like some of the content I've created. And I feel like I've grown a lot, but I still have a lot to fill in a lot of gaps to fill in, which is part of the reason why I came here because, uh, number one, Billy, I follow you like religiously on social media. Cause like literally my dream job. So yeah, that's, that's all I do. I'm a high school kid. Just kind of trying to like figure out my way upwards and I'm more than thrilled that you guys have me on here. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Thank you so much for hopping on. Um, what is your first yeah, question course. for us? Uh, so my first question for you is I feel like there's kind of a, I feel like there's kind of a stigma created by at least creators that I know that going to college is not a helpful thing that like you could teach yourself things like the, the cost benefit ratio doesn't really add up that like you could gain more outside of college and like entering the workforce and going to college. But I, I feel like college could be a good op option. And that's why I'm here to ask you guys, what do you guys feel like the benefits of doing that traditional route, going to college and then going to work is, or yeah, are, I should say. This is, this is an interesting question that I think, I, I've been thinking about this for a, probably at least a year. I feel like, Billy, last this time last year when Clubhouse first started, I feel like there were lots of Clubhouse rooms where we would talk with young creatives who are about your age, Jack, that we're talking about. Do I go to college or not? I don't know what to do. Um, you know, my, from my perspective, I, I went to college as an undergrad and I have my master's degree as well. And I work in college sports. So that's kind of what I know. Um, I think there's tremendous opportunity there to, um, to build a network, to get involved with activities on campus, um, that will help with building your portfolio and building a career for yourself. Um, that, that may just be a little bit more difficult if you're doing, going the non-traditional route. That's not to say that non-traditional route wouldn't work out for you because like, as I mentioned earlier, there's, there's so many resources out there that people could really teach themselves some of the skills and really could dedicate the time that maybe you wouldn't have, um, if you were in a more traditional college setting, if you were in the classroom, you know, going to math class and sure. 
philosophy and all of the things that you need to do in order to graduate. But I think there's some real benefit too to, to, to going to college in terms of if, if you wanted to work in sports, having that ability to, to work at that level, um, depending on where you wanted to go to school, there's, there's lots of, I went to a, to a school that's, that's nearby Draper, Utah. I'm from a small town in, in Nevada. So I understand what the landscape is out there. So, yeah. um, there's lots of schools that, that need lots of help. And so student, student assistance is really something that they lean on, which provides great opportunities for you. Um, and then just as it relates to what we do at the CFP, a lot of the people that we sort of target to assist us with at least our social team, um, are folks that are either current students or, or recent graduates that have done stuff within, um, their campus settings as well. So, um, again, I, I can't speak to the, the non-traditional route just because I don't have experience in that. And that's not to say that that's not, that's not a beneficial way to get to the end result either. Great, great tutors and great content creators will shine regardless of what their background is. But um, that's just at least what my perspective is. Billy, what do you think? Yeah, this is a um, fun question that I get a lot in my DMs um, from the younger crowd asking if they should go to college or not. Um, I too went to college, so I only have that perspective of um, what it was like to go to college. I went to the University of Arkansas and I got a degree in broadcast journalism. Uh, my official answer for this question is that I think you should you should go to college. Um, I will agree or I will say that I learned 99% of what I know and use and um, implement now at work. 99% of that stuff I learned outside of college, my college class. Like there's not a single thing I learned inside a classroom that I apply right now. But the connections and the experience and the growth that I had during my time in college, I wouldn't be where I am now if I had not gone to college. There's no way I could have self-taught myself into the position I am now without college. So it's a yeah. tough, like, double-edged sword answer or whatever. Like, you're not going to college to learn how to uh, do what you want to do in the classroom. You're going to college to provide 50 doors in the hallway that you're standing in of opportunity to gain experience and, you know, figure out, um, what you want to do after college. Whereas I think if you don't go to college coming out of high school, your hallway has one door or maybe has two doors. And that's kind of the analogy that I use, um, or that I think about when thinking about this question is if you go to college and get your degree, you're going to be standing in a hallway with 50 doors to choose your path for your career. If you decide to not go to college, you're going to be standing in a hallway and there's only going to be like one or two doors. Like, you know, the amount of uh, people that you meet, the amount of opportunities you have as a college student, it's, it's kind of just a, the way I see it, a four year, um, like, uh, what do you, what do you call it? like a cocoon stage of like bettering yourself and getting experience and learning what you like and don't like. And, all of these things that I don't think you can get if you just go straight into the workforce outside of high school. So um, my answer is go to college, get experience outside of the classroom. That's the most important part. If you go to college, you, you know, you can't just party every weekend and 
attend every class and think they'll set you up. You have to attend class, do whatever class has you do, but then outside of class, do more, you know, volunteer for a sports organization, figure out how to shoot for the football team or whatever team you want to work for, figure out if there's a student broadcast team, whatever, like gain experience outside of the classroom through college, you'll be set for after college. Thank you very much for that. I, th- I feel like I just kind of like, I've definitely wanted to go the traditional route too. And plus I have so many like AP credits that it would be like doing myself a disservice to not go to college at this point. Um, but I just, I think I just kind of needed that affirmation, like from people that work in the industry that I want to go into one day that like college is a, a beneficial route to me. Um, second question, this one's a little more mundane. I promise I've got a better one later. Um, what's, what's one technical skill. Uh, this is more geared towards Billy or I, I guess, uh, you guys can both answer it, but what's one technical skill that you learned that you feel like you implement almost, if not on a day-to-day basis, at least really frequently? I mean, just, I guess basic computer, like kind of computer IT, like just understanding how to troubleshoot if something's not working. I feel like a lot of people don't have the basic understanding of like trying every option and like figuring out like if your program's crashing or if, if, you're going to run into problems wherever you go and there's a way to kind of analyze how to solve that problem. Like try turning it on and off, try a different plug, try um, a different plug and having your computer be upside down. Like maybe like try a different desk. Like there's, there's a list of things you can do to troubleshoot things. And I think you learn a lot of that through um, more software development or like coding or it and that kind of space. Um, and I didn't really do much of that in college. I kind of just always played video games, uh, growing up or like, I was just always interested in computers growing up and, um, interested in that aspect of, you know, just the world. So, um, it's not a specific technical skill in terms of, I don't know what it's called, but just computer comprehensiveness is definitely something I use all the time. Um, not just with computers, but with cameras, like the software and cameras and updating that or figuring out why it's not turning on or, um, you know, a bunch of things in that realm and day to day. Yeah. Well, that's definitely helpful because I feel like I, I've like dove into the camera world, like pretty head first, but I definitely could brush up on my computer knowledge. So that's definitely something that I should be paying attention to. Um, something I should probably take classes in college through. I feel like that's a good way to like learn computer stuff. Um, another one is, uh, I mean, what advice would you give to like a young creator, like starting their way in the world? Like, cause I'm like, I'm very young. Like I feel like I'm, I'm old and I've got my, I've got my way or I, I know the way the world works at this point, but like, what is some pieces of advice that you would give to a young content creator? I would say be open to opportunities and to, um, maybe even take on opportunities that, that maybe don't sound as attractive. I think that if by just getting reps in, in storytelling and in content creation, um, and in sports in general, um, I think it will teach you not only to refine those technical skills and your ability to really create great content, but then also will teach you what you don't want to do. Um, which I think is equally as valuable. I think it'll help teach you also um, sort of what sort of 
uh, professional you want to be when you're you're in the workforce and maybe what sort of leader you want to be when you're in a leadership position. Um, and, and also at the same time, the more reps that you get and the more people you work with, the more networking you do, um, maybe the type of leader or professional that you don't want to be. I think that those things are all extremely valuable. Um, and th- sometimes I think that we forget about that. Like we want, there's so much out there in terms of opportunity that we sort of pick the things that really look attractive as opposed to, you know, spreading ourselves into as many different areas as possible just to make ourselves that much more marketable and valuable to, to whoever our future employer could be. What about you, Billy? Um, yeah, I think my piece of advice for young creatives is to be yourself, um, which is pretty vague, but like, um, I think a lot of young creatives right now, I assume they get caught up in the comparison trap and they see, you know, people getting to do something cool and they get jealous of that or they wish that was them or they put themselves down because they're not doing that or whatever. Like, um, I think that's a huge problem with young creatives right now is because, because of social media and kind of the, um, behind the curtains scene that you see now that, that, that you get on social media. So I would just highly advise her, sorry, I would highly advise everyone to just be themselves. It's okay that you're not, you know, doing what you see other people doing. You're on your own path. It's going to happen for you. Just keep, you know, put your head down, put in the work and it'll, it'll get to you eventually. Um, everyone's on a different path, but also everyone's on a different portion of their path. You're just seeing, you know, social media just puts a line through everybody's path and, um, lets you compare to where everyone is, but you don't realize that like some people's paths are like 3000 miles long because they've worked since they, you know, since they were young or other people's paths are three inches long because they just started. But no matter where you are on that path, social media puts everyone on the same level. And that's kind of the problem with um, social media, in my opinion. So um, just be yourself. If, if you don't like something, that's okay. You don't like it. If you like something and somebody else doesn't like it, that's okay. You like it. So keep doing that. Um, uh, I think, you know, it took me a while to figure that out. Um, but once I did, um, you know, things just started popping off and it started to work out. So um, that'd be my advice to you and all the young creatives out there. All right. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. I've got, I've got one last question for you. Um, if you have time, yep. uh, the last one is, is, I mean, like now that I'm kind of like in that transitionary, trans, excuse me, transitionary period where I'm like going to a bigger level and a big, bigger stage. Um, I kept seeing people post like college football playoff stuff. And I'm like, that's, that's cool. That's freaking sweet. Um, how would you recommend someone, uh, start marketing themselves to be in a position like that? Yeah, Jack, I think it, it speaks to, to what we've been talking about in terms of, of making yourself available on networks and, and what you're doing now and joining us in this podcast today is a keen example of that. And having conversations, putting yourself out there, getting the reps in and building your portfolio um, and then really making, you know, building a personal brand for yourself on social channels um, so that folks know who Jack is and the great stuff that he's doing. Um, that will put you on a lot of folks' radars. Um, and then also take it one step further. I, I think I've said it before. I'll say it again. The pandemic has really taught us to, to sort of build connection 
virtually. So don't hesitate to reach out to really anyone that, that maybe has a position you'd like to emulate or works at an organization that you're interested in, um, or, you know, as, as granular as, as had a really sick edit that you want to sort of mimic as well, reach out to them, ask them questions. People love to speak about themselves. They want to help as much as social media can be about clout chasing and about comparison. It also can be a really tremendous resource um, that, that is really a community that, that is willing to help each other and, and lift each other up. So certainly, um, what you're doing is, is well on your way, particularly where you're at in your career, if you're still in high school, Billy, what do you think? Yeah, I think, uh, one thing you could do, um, is, you know, don't be afraid to post your work on social. Um, that's kind of one of my big models at ice cream, um, because you just never know who's watching your stuff, if someone gets inspired by your stuff or if someone wants to hire you, like the first thing they're going to look at is your social media profile. And if you have your work there already, then, you know, it just makes it easier um, for more eyeballs to get, you know, to see your work. Um, So that's the easy answer. Just, you know, post your work. Like, don't be afraid to post your work. Don't be afraid to post too much. Don't be afraid of what other people think. If they see you posting a lot of your work, like, if you get into that mindset of I'm not posting the work for my friends, I'm posting it for potential money. Um, yeah. that'll, uh, that'll get you motivated there. And then I think the second thing, um, is kind of not about marketing yourself, but it's more about, um, just finding a community of people who are in a similar boat as you are, uh, maybe other high schooler creatives across the country or whatever. And just almost like creating a network or small, club or community that you can grow together and, you know, hype each other up. And I think I see a lot of that, um, right now, right now on social is like, I'll see, um, especially after clubhouse, I'll see like these groups of people who just hype each other up, you know, kind of tag each other and just, you know, start a group message or whatever. And they'll just, um, you know, grow together. It's easier to grow as a team than as an individual. So, um, that doesn't really market yourself, but it, in, in a sense, it gets oh, other great. people to market you yeah. once you start Sports finding that group. Sure. All right. Well, I think that's all I got for you guys. I really appreciate you having me on. I'll definitely take that to heart. And hopefully in a couple of years, you'll see me on some bigger stage than my high school, but you know, we'll get there. It's all about the grind, right? The cheese well sponsorship, the cheese sponsorship will still be there though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll make some. I'll make some cheesy commercials. There you go. <laughs> All right, nice meeting All you, Jack. Right. See you later. It was a pleasure meeting both of you guys. Have really appreciate night. it. Have a good one. Bye. Okay, take care. Bye bye. If we all could have energy like Jack, that was I awesome. Love his energy. <laughs> Big energy. Right, right when he started, I was like, "Let's go." <laughs> Um, that is amazing. All right. That is all of the live Q and a everyone else is gone. Um, so we're back to just us two. That was a really fun uh, little session. Um, what's kind of your biggest takeaway from all these questions that we're getting from all these creatives? You know, it's really just awesome to see how, how interested the future of sort of what we do, Billy, I feel like I'm a little bit, well, I'm definitely an old head. You're not quite an old head. You're getting there though. I hate to break it to you. Um, but just to see how much ambition and excitement is in the future of what we do. Um, I think sometimes we can get caught up in sort of the grand exodus of what's happening for creatives, um, with teams across the country, whether it's college or pros, um, which is probably a whole other podcast that we could dive into really, really deep. Um, but it's, it's, 
reinvigorating and exciting to see that there's still a lot of ambition um, and a lot of just really great talent out there. That's, that's as young as Jack is and others who really want to be up and coming in the industry and emulate the great stuff that, that you and some others are doing along the landscape. Really good points there. Uh, It's super exciting to see, you know, where creative is going and, you know, the young, the more accessible it is for people to get to a camera, which with iPhones nowadays, it's, um, starting earlier, I feel like people are starting in high school more than when we were in high school. Um, oh. It's going to be insane to see in a couple of years when those people get to uh, positions of power in this creative space. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to switch it over to probably the most important question of this podcast. How does one join the CFB playoff social team? I strategically <gasps> saved that question for now, meaning people yeah. will have to listen through all of the podcast in order to figure out. I think this is like the most asked question you probably get in your in your DMs. So asking it now. I do. Yeah, you know, we um we're really fortunate that the process has been extremely organic, maybe more organic and less formal than it should be. Um, I would just say, as we've talked about this whole pod. You know, if you're getting the reps and you're posting your work, you're building a portfolio for yourself, you're building reels. Um, but really for me, it's, it's not only about a reel, but it's about like the most recent work that you're doing. Like a reel is of course the highlights of the stuff that you've done in the last year or two. But if, if you're doing things on a constant basis, like I'm going to be really interested in seeing what are the last 10 things that you did and at what level are they at? Um, I think that that really goes a long ways. As I, as I mentioned before, I'm a huge geek when it comes to content. And I, you guys, if you, if you check out my social handles, you'll probably think that I'm a bot from some other universe that is actually not even human because I follow just so many accounts because I just love to consume content. Um, and so the stuff that sort of stops the scroll for me, um, sometimes will land, you know, on my rolling list of folks who, um, either I want to find people to, to emulate that, or, or those people themselves are sort of on the draft board, if you will, for us to put together a dream team, um, when we build our roster every fall, but, um, it's been really tremendous experience. I would say it's probably the most favorite thing that I'd work on all year at the CFP is the social team. Um, it's also probably the the project that I least expected was even a possibility when I took the job here. Um, but being able to just provide opportunity to creatives and to feedback into the creative industry at large. And then to, I think this year we took things one step further with, with having you guys on board at Let It Fly. Um, Matt Lang, former creative director at Texas Football, who's tremendously talented and an OG in the space. Um, he joined us as well. Having that opportunity for the social team to really build that network with you guys and pick your brains and see what, what makes you guys tick and what works for you and for you guys to be, be able to brainstorm off of what they're doing too. I think that that sort of mentorship opportunity is there. And so I'm really excited about what the future of this thing looks like as we get prepared. It's crazy to think that um, in next January, we'll be in Los Angeles, but it'll be here before, before we all know it. We're only 10 days after the last national championship, but we're always looking ahead. I am very excited for 2023 because of, um, that event in LA, that will be something special. Um, but to kind of dig a little deeper. So is there no application process? There's not a formal application process. I think that that's probably a 
a misnomer out there that there's a way, you know, that people can submit a reel and a resume and all of that stuff. There's a full application process for our internship program. I won't lie about that. And that will open up um, for those interested in having sort of that full-time internship experience um, later on um, late winter, early spring, typically that gets underway end of February, first part of March. So um, keep your eyes peeled on the college football playoff website and on social for any of that posting. Um, but yeah, in terms of the social team, it's really just a matter of, of highlighting yourself and, and putting yourself out there, building the network up. Um, and then, and then we just kind of figure it out on the fly. It's, it's kind of a, a blind invite process as things currently stand, which is scary and it's awesome, but it's actually, it's, we're batting a thousand on it. I'm really, really pleased on, on how it's turned out so far. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I don't think I've ever heard of a, another you know, position or organization that does that. Um, and that, that must be really fun to kind of have, like, like you said, kind of that draft night or that draft board of kind of building an all-star team of, um, you know, creatives that you see on social and that emphasizes the importance of being on social media and networking and knowing the right people. Um, I think even, you know, Josh too, I think he was recommended to you by Andrew. Um, and so that was, that was crazy that I think he was, um, Josh was amazed that that even worked or like that, that even happened, yeah. but like, um, definitely cool to see, uh, how organic of a selection process it is. And if you're listening to this podcast, there's your answer. I, I mean, I don't think yeah. that's publicly known. Um, but I was super <laughs> interested cause I was like, is there an application? I like, I feel like I didn't see one, but like it just happens. So like, um, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering the same thing, especially after what they saw um, from us. So, um, well, the get the get the shot podcast has the exclusive now on on how this happens. So you're welcome. <laughs> and what I will say though too is, um, you know, because this industry is so small, both college and pro sports, like there's there's definitely a level of. Um, as we go through that sort of draft board process, you know, we, we make phone calls and check references. And if someone knows someone, or if someone who we work with has a recommendation, like that stuff all happens too, just to get people on the radar. Um, but it, it's certainly not a submit, submit by a deadline, have yep. a cover letter, submit three professional references, all of that stuff. It's much more, much more organic and, uh, and grassroots. Nice. Than, that's than exciting. People. That's, that's super yeah. fun, especially for next year. Cause then I can slide in some names. <laughs> um, if you're going to apply Billy, I think we'll have to, we'll have to talk about that. Um, all right. <laughs> so, uh, next question. Um, what is the kind of, how long have you been at the CFB? Started in August of 2018. So my first game was the 2019 game in the Bay area with Clemson and Alabama. Gotcha. So like the past four years. Um, what is the biggest life lesson or failure success story, or what is the biggest thing you've learned about yourself in those four years being at college football playoff? I think what I, what I've had to come to learn in making the transition from the mountain West to the CFP, because our social content department was really just myself outside of the, um, the, the intern that I got the, on staff the last couple of years, but then the video um, department we had with our digital network um, was the, I had to really teach myself and learn how to delegate and to trust in others that um, a vision and the brand can be carried out on, 
on the team's behalf that I didn't have to be the one in the weeds on that all the time. Um, that, that took some growth for me and then being in a position for 11 years and kind of having to figure that out, um, with, with little resources, um, and then having the resources that we have available at the CFP and just the, the massive national interest that it gets, um, definitely took some, some growth and learning. Um, but then also I think as you probably witnessed, um, during national championship week, the, the pace between the day-to-day and being on site for a national championship is like crazy different in terms of the velocity that things are going. Um, and because our department handles all things external facing from the signage plans on all of our venues to handling crisis communications. You know, when we were in Indy last week, there was a bomb threat and an ice storm and some missing kids all within one night before a Doja Cat concert. (laughs) Um, And so like having that whole crisis communication plan and tree, like that all falls under with our umbrella as well. Um, So all of the more traditional PR media relations stuff that happens in addition to the digital and social, um, you know, it took a lot for me to, to sort of learn that that all could happen. And, And that, I think that helped also push me with the, with the trust in, in the team that we've built around us with the social team, with our intern, with great partners like Let It Fly, um, that, that it still all can happen, but that there's, we just need to lean on the resources that we have to, in order to make it all happen. Yeah. I think I remember during the week, me and Tom were like, Katie has a lot to do. <laughs> she is running around. Um, so that's really cool to see that um, all the, the success that the social team had, um, even with all those extra things that you have to deal with. So, um, what is kind of the future for the social team and, you know, what, what do you see, um, in terms of like, what do you want to do in the future or that you can't do now? Or like, what's your kind of vision for where you're at? Um, yeah, you know, I think one thing that we were really fortunate um, this last year, minus some last minute changes right before Christmas, just with the Omicron variant that we were able to have a lot of those fan events come back. So we had tremendous social momentum after the 2022 game in new Orleans, after LSU won. you know, the Joe Burrow effect with Baton Rouge being so close to new Orleans, the vibe and the energy that new Orleans has anyway, and the history of the Superdome, all of that stuff, um, Clemson being the national champion on down the list that we did some really cool things that year. You know, we launched a tweet suite with Twitter that year. We did a Snapchat AR activation with Nike where people could like scan these murals along the French quarter. And then they could, if they scanned all of them, they, they got a chance at, um, a pair of custom air force ones. Um, we launched a playmakers program with, um, Instagram as it relates to launching our IGTV at the time, um, that turned into a film festival for those young creatives. So we had all of this great stuff happen in new Orleans. And then two months later, the world completely stopped. Um, and so last year we navigated, we had a tremendous experience in Miami last year and was really grateful to still bring in um, a sort of scaled down social team to at least tell the story of the game. But that was really the only event that we had back. So in Indy, I feel like we were able to really do a great job at, at getting things back and building that momentum back up and really building a foundation um, and, and really great excitement around the CFP too. You know, people are super excited about what's happening in college sports and college football. That's all above my pay grade right now, but 
to finish it with the way that the national championship game did with, with that fourth quarter pick six um, and just having that sort of excitement around it, I think really lays a tremendous foundation for us to go into Los Angeles next January um, with, with being in LA in such a huge media market. I think that's going to provide some really great challenges for us to sort of cut through all of the noise and static that is within that market. But I think it can also provide some really, really tremendous opportunities for us to um, do some cool stuff. I have always been, and I think it's part of my being from a small town and then working at the Mountain West have been one that wants to just throw spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks. I think that's really cool about what we do. And I think other facets of um, working in sports maybe isn't that fortunate. Um, so, so I think LA is going to provide a perfect opportunity that, for that. So I'm really excited about that. And again, um, the opportunity to work with you guys and some others and provide even more mentorship and creative opportunities for young creatives, not only around the national championship, but to really build the CFP within the conversation 12 months out of the year, you know, it's always college football season. It's always football season. People, if people aren't playing games or getting ready for signing day, or they're getting ready for the combine or the draft, or it's media days in the summer, like all of those things, there's no reason why the CFP can't be part of, part of all of that. And so that's, that's the ultimate goal. Nice. And then kind of the last question before we get into the outro section, um, what does, what are some of the major challenges of uh, setting up an event in LA? that you foresee or have already hit 10 days after Indy? Yeah, I think traffic's going to be, traffic's going to be interesting. I think the distance between things we were, you know, some cities are really built, built for walkability. And I think Indy, even though it was really, really cold, you could walk everywhere really easily within buildings. And so it was easy to get from one place to the other. I think there's just so much opportunity for really cool visuals in LA from the beach to the Hollywood sign, to the Walk of Fame, to Grauman's Theater, to all of the, to Disneyland, all of the things. Um, but it's going to take some time to get to all of those places. And so that might be a little bit of a logistics challenge. I'm already trying to wrap my head around, you know, trying to figure out how we can work on things while we're in vehicles. Cause I think that that just that quick turn that people are accustomed to is going to probably be a little bit more of a challenge for us. Um, I think the time change is also something that, um, that gets to be a little tricky. I think we experienced that my first year in the Bay area and just East coast time versus West coast time. You know, the game will kick off at 5 PM in LA on that Monday, as opposed to, to 8 PM, like it did in Indy last week. So, um, sort of navigating some of that challenge and then just capturing, you know, attention in that community because there is so much media going on. Um, there's so much sports going on with the, you know, the Lakers and the, chargers and the Rams and all of the things happening in LA. Um, so we're going to have a little bit of competition in that space, but I think it's going to be a challenge that, that we're welcoming with open arms. And then the other part of it too, is coming in after the Super Bowl and the really crazy stuff that they're doing. I mean, coming off of some of the stuff we saw today with, with the trailer for the halftime show and all of those things, it's already got my gears turning on like, how can we, um, maybe not compete because the NFL's resources are different than the CFP, but how can we at least put ourselves on, on somewhat of a level playing field there too? Yeah. Is that something you, you know, is that kind of nice to, that you get to see the Super Bowl a year before just to take notes? Like, do you pay attention to other events and, um, see what you can learn from those externally? I think, I think it's helpful to do that anyway. Like I, 
when Adele's, this is going to be ridiculous, but when Adele's album came out and she did her CBS special with Oprah and she sang it from um, the observatory in LA, I got a lot of inspiration from that and the visuals of Los Angeles and what, what the CFP can take from those things. I think, I think to be good at storytelling and creating content, um, you sort of have to take inspiration wherever you can find it, whether it's a literal translation like the Super Bowl being in the same stadium 11 months before your game is, or if it's, you know, seeing something that's happening on a billboard of a consumer facing brand or any of those things. I think it's, it's just really important to, we, we consume so much content to sort of look through um, with a different lens to see how can you apply that to just sort of your situation in the pro- professional setting. Nice. Um, all right. We're going to get into the outro section of this podcast. Uh, first thing is I kind of flip the mic to my guests and let you ask me a question or two. So Katie, if you have any questions that you have for me, now is the time for that. I have plenty of questions, Billy. We could speak for another hour and a half, probably or longer, but I won't do that to you. My first question for you is, um, given, given the week, I don't know if the listeners all are surprised. I'm sure they all are because they're all Billy super fans, but in the last week you shot the CFP national championship. Um, you drove, let's, let's rewind. You drove from Kansas city to Indianapolis, shot a national championship got zero sleep and pulled an all-nighter editing a recap, drove all the way back to Kansas City, turnaround following weekend, drove from Kansas City to Cincinnati, which is through Indianapolis, shot the Bengals game, wild card game that night, drove all the way back to to Kansas City, and then shot the Chiefs on Sunday. So my question is, in a long-winded way, when Billy is not shooting three crazy games in a week. What does Billy do to unwind or unplug? <laughs> um, video games is the easy answer. I, I play a decent amount of video games with my roommates and that's kind of um, the thing, the non, the one non-video thing I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's fair. Not really unplugging, but it's, yeah. I get it. It's not, it's not <laughs> is there a game that you change toward or does it matter? Uh, it's whatever my roommates decide to play that night. Uh, we play a lot of shooters okay. and a lot of, um, I'm on PC, so, um, we can, we can okay. play a good amount of variety. Um, but yeah, I, I do like to travel, um, and take, you know, trips to, I, I went snowboarding a couple of weeks ago. Um, so travel at nature is kind of like, that's the ultimate unplug is getting away from, mm-hmm. um, everything and just going somewhere a little bit more quiet. Um, but that's also a challenge as well because sometimes like I'll bring my camera or I'll bring my, you know, <laughs> I want to get like, Cheater. but there, there, there have been a couple of trips where I'm like, All right, I'm not touching the camera. Like I went on a trip with Tanner and he had his camera, most of it. And I was just like, I'll let Tanner take all the video. I'm just going to sit go. here and relax. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of work, but, um, it all pays off in the end eventually. So that's kind of the, the grind there. You're crushing it. What, um, what is, or who does Billy look to for inspiration? Mm, that is a good question. Um, currently at the moment, it's people like, uh, Brendan mentor, Sam Lutz, mm-hmm. uh, Justin law. Um, I think those, 
Those guys are just insane at what they do. Um, goats, goats, goats. Yep. Yep. It's, it's uh, back in the day when I first started out, I looked up to a lot of travel influencers. Um, so when I was okay. starting out, I looked up to people like Sam Colder and Taylor Cut Films. That's where I got my Billy Quatch films from. Um, so I, originally I wanted to get into more of the travel content creation space, um, concerts, kind of that vibe, but mm-hmm. then kind of discovered sports and fell in love with, you know, shooting sports and telling that story. So um, those are my big inspos um, in terms of pre-Billy and post-Billy. <laughs> I like it. Okay, so I have two more. Yep. Um, the first is describe for me what Billy's leadership style is like. Good question. Um, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, honestly, this is a question I kind of ask myself a lot. Like, what is my leadership style? Um, it's in high school, I did JROTC. So mm-hmm. for two years or three years, however long I did it, um, I feel like that was my first, like, kind of ever teachable mess or teachable teachable or that was my first ever like teachable moment in terms of like becoming a leader learning how to lead um all these things because you're doing very military-esque things um because I thought I wanted to go to go to the military when I was a kid but um didn't go down that route so um since then Gained a lot of experience. I always, I always told people I feel like I'm much better follower than I am a leader. Like if I had to choose, I'd rather follow, and I will be the best follower out of any followers. Um, but if I have to lead, I'll have to like that'll be something I have to like work at, or like I might not be the best at that. Like I've always told people that, you know given the option, I'd rather be a follower. I'd rather be the second best person in a room um, because, or even like on a sports team, I'm not that super, super athletic, but like in intramurals or in rec leagues, um, I don't mind being the worst player on the team I'm on, but I can promise I will be the best worst player uh, in the league. Like as long as I'm better than their teams, the team we're playing's worst player, I think we're set because Again, I feel like I'm a better follower than I am a leader. So um, it's been a learning experience getting to where I am now because now I'm in a leadership position. Uh, We started with just me and Ben and Andrew, in which that was a perfect scenario. I'm following the two leaders. There's no one under me. Um, This is, you know, where this is a perfect situation. And I think that really helped kind of jumpstart, let it fly because it was just us three. Uh, I was in a, in the position I wanted to be and we gained a lot of momentum starting out. But then with that momentum, we started hiring people. We started growing. We started adding bodies, more desks. Eventually I had one or two people under me, then three or four, then six, then eight. And now I'm at 12, I think, 12 creatives under me at Let It Fly Media. So, um, I'll definitely a lot of growth and a lot of learning in terms of being a leader. And I think my leadership style at the moment is 
more like I'm definitely not like a yeller. I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to scream or be mad or get irritated or, you know, I'm not that type of leader or that type of person in charge. Um, I'm more of a, like, I try to understand, like, I'm not, not that I don't care, but I use the phrase, I don't care a lot. Like if you come in 30 minutes late, I do not care. I allow you to come in 30 minutes late. It's okay right. that you're coming in 30 minutes late. Um, just don't do it, you know, every day or at least tell me like, hey, I'm going to be 30 minutes late just so I know. But or like if you need to take a day off, like I don't care that you're taking a day off. I just need to know that you're going to take a day off so I can plan, you know, with the rest of the people on staff. So I'm, I'm very like, um, okay with things happening that aren't that most people might get mad at um, as long as as much as possible we plan ahead and as long as I know I don't care if you're late or you're you know you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing or like if you need to be on Twitter at work great <laughs> like just um, as long as you're getting work done that's all I care about so um, that's kind of my leadership style right now it's very much lead by example is definitely probably the first pillar, like pulling an all nighter. Like I'm not going to make another creative do that. I'll do that. And then make can do as much as he can and I'll pick it up from there. Um, so very much a lead by example type of leader, because I think, um, just naturally I'm much more of a doer than a talker. So, Mm -hmm. um, that's definitely a pillar. And the second pillar is just trying to be more understanding than the not like I understand that someone's running 20 minutes late. Someone today texted me. I'm so sorry. Like I'm going to be 20 minutes late. And I texted them back. Me too. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's fine. We're all going to be late. Yeah. I'm late every day. So like, it's okay. Um, I, I try to be as much as possible. Like it's going to be okay. Like not yeah. everything is an emergency. Not everything is bad um things are going to happen it's okay if they happen let's just get on to the next thing and just keep going well i will say you probably don't give yourself enough credit for the leader that you are this podcast is an example of it your social media presence is an example of it the work that you do is you lead so many that i don't i, I don't think you know how many people look up to you and it's really really inspiring and so just want to make sure that you have your flowers there. My last question before you can have the mic back is to that point, you provide this opportunity for up and comers to learn from your experiences. They're sort of starting their paths and figuring out their own way. If you look to the future, what is, what is Billy Quatch doing on January 20th, 2032? 2022? 2032, 10 years oh, from now. Oh, 2032. Yeah. Well, hopefully I just shot my 10th college football playoff game. <laughs> I like it. I like um, it. Good answer. Okay, let's see. Um, definitely at that point, I hope to be in a position, uh, still with Let It Fly. I'm, let, I'm team Let It Fly until I die. Yep. Um, yep, that's, I feel you. That's a fact. Um, mm-hmm. Reach me. You know, hopefully at that point, I 
don't have to worry about a lot of the day-to-day gritty work, which I still am doing now, which is fine. I'm, you know, you're a doer. You said you're a doer. But hopefully by that point, <laughs> we get it to where I can be a little bit, a little bit more big picture and a little bit more guiding and mentorish and like not some like I don't always have to do that edit like we have someone else do it and I could be involved with the bigger decisions or whatever um, with let it fly so hopefully that's where we're at in 10 years Um, I still want to shoot I still want to edit like that's gonna be you know fun but I just want to shoot and edit like the big things Um, Mm -hmm. in terms of what let a fight looks like then i mean we might have a second branch we might that's possible i mean if it just keeps getting bigger and bigger like why not have multiple branches and we'll just be let it fly everywhere um but to the moon yeah to the moon it's 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 i don't even want to really think about what i'll be doing in, in 2032 um but i just hope that you know, all the hard work we're doing now in terms of laying out the groundwork and the process and the workflow and the bumps and all those things get flattened out by then to where we're just, you know, smooth sailing and things are happening and my my effort will still be at a max, but it doesn't have to be at a stay up all night, finish this edit max. It can be just a a solid max, not, not a max max. You want to shoot your 10th national championship, but you don't want to stay up until eight and edit your 10th well, national championship. Well, hopefully by, yeah. <laughs> hopefully by then technology has gotten oh, good see? enough to where we can just edit it while we shoot it. Mm-hmm. You yeah. are a smart cookie, my friend. Yep. But Okay, roast is over. <laughs> okay. That'll be the, I will reserve one night a year. We're college football oh, playoffs. I will do it. Wow. <laughs> and that's the one you're reserving? Yep. I am honored. I will stay up all night, any time for a national championship <laughs> recap. Nothing else. On the record, get the shot. Get the shot. Another on the record. No Just one else. Yep. Oh, Billy. That's awesome. There it is. All right. Mike is back on my side. A um, couple of things before we wrap up. Who are the three creatives right now that people should know about, people should be following? Maybe they're the most underrated, people don't know about them, oh. or maybe um, whatever three category you want to decide, who are the top three? This is really difficult. I know. That's um, why I'm asking them. <laughs> yeah, well, you're you're paying me back for the tough questions I just asked you, I think. Um, so first of all, Please, everybody who's listening, go and follow the thread that I posted. I'll retweet it of all the incredible creatives that have been part of the CFP social team in my first four years. There's a group of over 40 of them, um, which is why it is really hard to pick three from those 40. So I probably will stay away from that list um, outside of I might make an exception for myself um, at the end. But Um, Please go and follow them. Please interact with them. Please hire them. They're wonderful. Um, And really have set a tremendous foundation for the future of what this program can look like. So that's the first thing I'll say. Um, The second thing I'll say, I, I really enjoy 
I have always enjoyed, and I've been a longtime fan of the Colorado Rockies and the, the content that Julian Valentin did before he left for open doors. And now Aaron Hodges and team were doing, I saw something yesterday where they did um, a video of Dinger, their mascot, their dinosaur mascots actually skiing down a hill, um, which I, I, that's right. I, being in a mascot costume, like on a chairlift and, and going down a hill on skis is, is a crazy feat. So I just really enjoy the authenticity that they bring um, to social. So that's, that's one, I would say um, someone who I look up to in a, in the sort of design space is Todd Radom. He is a longtime OG in the space and he has really made himself available for folks to pick his brain. Um, and so that's another one that I really get inspiration from. And then there is an all female design firm out of Los Angeles, Hoodspa Design, that does some really cool stuff that I think just cuts through a lot of noise that I find some inspiration in um, that that is sort of a an unknown um, channel out there for maybe some of the more traditional sports creatives out there. But then I will reserve, um, I'll give one shout out to um, the latest member of the Let It Fly team, who's a former CFB playoff uh, social team alum, Mick White, Mick's Flicks. Um, Mick White is incredible. And he, before he joined the Let It Fly team um, this last couple of weeks, in fact, and before his time where he was at USC football before, he was at Oklahoma State and he um, joined the last two social teams prior to this year. So just shot his third national championship with us. And his first in New Orleans, he, he's going to be embarrassed that I'm sharing this story with you, but I'm going to share it anyway. Uh, it was game day in New Orleans. It was very quiet in the Superdome. Um, President Trump was there. And so like it was there was lots of security and things happening. Um, so he he and a friend of his came up to me in the press box and said, hey, we've got this video. We want you to see it before we put it out um, to get your approval. And it was a sights and sounds of New Orleans in the French Quarter, sort of the vibe of the Clemson and LSU fans. Um, but the audio track of it was. Um, I think a homeless man, street performer who was singing the house of the rising sun, um, acoustically. Um, but it had all of these visuals of, um, you know, street performers interacting with police officers and different generations of fans and, and all of the energy around New Orleans. And I don't know if it was my exhaustion levels. Um, I think it was more of the, the storytelling that Mick did in like that minute and a half of that video. I still, to this day, point to that as, probably the favorite piece of content that I've ever seen the social team put out. It brought me to tears in the press box. I will admit that I, I can own that vulnerability is a good thing that might embarrass Mick, but um, really proud of the work that he does and really excited that he's a part of the team that you guys have and is, is going to be working really closely with you for, for years and years to come into 2032 when you guys are shooting your, your 10th national championship with us. I need to ask Nick to watch that video because he's, he's told me about that. Right. So um, that's awesome to hear. He, he will he will undersell it. He will undersell it to you, but I promise you, it's it's definitely one looking up, nice. worth one looking up. All right. Um, last two things. What is your social media handle so people know how to follow you? For those listening that don't follow you right now. Yeah, um, I'm at Katie Cavender. So Lavender with the C. It's really how my last name is spelled: K A T I E or K eight zero Cavender on Instagram. Um, but all of the social channels are that. And then of course, follow at CFB playoff or use the 
hashtag CFB playoff for all of your CFP content needs, wishes, and desires. We really appreciate um, all of the attention there. We're actually officially on TikTok now as of the last couple of weeks and, and had a couple of videos hit over the 2 million view mark. So um, like, subscribe, comment, do all of the things. We appreciate it. Nice. And then final Final thing, what is your last piece of advice that you have for those up and coming creatives who are trying to get into this industry, um, who are still listening? What is the last thing you want to hear uh, or last impression, last piece of advice for those tuning in right now? Yeah, I think I'll just reinforce what we talked about a lot tonight is, is you get out of what you put into it. Um, so that can go from your technical training, from doing research and, and figuring out how to develop your skills, your fine tuning, how to filter something, or you want to do a different sound treatment, all of those things. There's so many resources out there. Definitely invest the time in that. But then you also get into what you or get out of what you put into building your network and building your um, your presence digitally, as well as, as meeting people, you know, if you have conversations with folks that are genuine, if you're yourself, if you're authentic and you're willing to put yourself out there in that sort of vulnerable way, um, that will really speak to those who are in hiring positions. So if, if they may not have a position for you right at that current moment, but if you have those ongoing conversations and if you make reminders in your phone to follow up with folks or, or find a way to really keep that network going so that it's not just one-sided and it's just not a one and done type conversation. Again, the more you put into it, the more you'll get out of it. So that's definitely a mantra that I think is, is going to be super valuable. Um, and then social too, like there's a lot of, again, there's a lot of negativity and trolls of course on in the Twitter sphere and otherwise, but, um, there's also a really great sense of community. And I think that that is what has drawn me in my time at the Mountain West through now. And the, the SM sports community is really one at its core that is willing to help lift each other up and provide resources for each other, commiserate when there's when things go wrong or, or laugh or, or do all of those kind of things. But but it's really a community that's that's here for each other. And, and the world is small. So definitely lean on those bridges to uh, to help put yourself in a position for success. The more you put into it, the more you get out of it. Thank you so much, Katie Cavender, for being on the podcast. And thank you to everyone who called in to ask us questions. Please make sure to like, subscribe, follow, hit the five stars, do whatever you got to do to support the podcast, and make sure to check out all of the other episodes if you haven't done so. I'm hoping to do more of these this year. I know it's been a while since I put out an episode, but... We're running the back 2022. Let's go. Make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel at Billy Quatch Films. Make sure to follow me on Instagram and Twitter if you haven't done so. That way you know the next time I'm making a recording and you can call in then. But other than that, I think that's it for now. I'll see y'all on the next one. Have a great day. Deuces. <laughs>